Welcome to the Global Careers Podcast, sponsored by GW Cyber, the source for inspiring stories from seasoned professionals who have embraced a global role and reaped the benefits. We offer practical advice and insider tips across a broad swath of industries and fields around the world about what it's like to work globally. If you love adventure and thrive on taking risks and operating outside your comfort zone, join us as we explore the ins and outs of pursuing an international career. My name is Stacey nevadomsky Burdan, and I'll be your host. Our first season dives into what it's like working globally through the pandemic and the outlook for global careers in a post-COVID-19 world. One of the many challenges facing organizations amidst this pandemic is figuring out how to do business, especially in sales and marketing, where relationships and personal interaction are critical. Today's guest shares how learning to pivot creatively and to adapt to changing circumstances without skipping a beat is a mark of success. Rebecca Pearson is President and Chief Marketing Officer of WeConnect International, a new position she recently took up after a long career at ExxonMobil. It's no surprise that she's in this new position. She's leading a global organization designed to empower women entrepreneurs around the world. And she's a GW alumna. Rebecca takes us into a world that connects large-scale global corporations and women-owned enterprises of all sizes that operate all over the world. She talks about the importance of technology and analytics as critical to success now, as well as the need for flexibility, authenticity, and entrepreneurship for both job seekers and employers. Have a listen as she dishes out tips for working globally, shares marketing trends, and stresses the importance of having a positive impact no matter what path you take. Welcome, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Stacy, and it's a pleasure to be here. Fabulous. So let's get started. You have had quite the career so far, having worked for a Fortune 50 company across six continents, as well as a global nonprofit, where it looks like you're just getting started on Act 2 or 3, is it? Tell us about it. (laughs) So I am in Act 3, and I'm loving every minute of it. I work at a nonprofit organization in Washington, D.C. Uh, called WeConnect International, and our mission is focused on putting money in the hands of women, enabling them to compete in the global marketplace. So what does that mean? It means that I essentially bring buyers and sellers together to do business with each other. And we are focused on women-owned businesses specifically in the context of what somebody might know as supplier diversity, inclusive sourcing, Uh, gender-inclusive sourcing, something like that. And women-owned businesses for us need to be 51% or more owned, managed, and controlled. So that takes out uh, leadership positions and anybody who has partnerships where the woman is not 51% or more uh, owning the business where they are in control of making all the decisions. What a great organization, Rebecca. And I absolutely love the focus on women. I imagine, though, it must have been a pretty dramatic transition from the private sector. What's the most interesting aspect of your job? What excites you the most these days? Moving into the nonprofit space in a much smaller organization that's about 10 years old. And what's exciting is the growth trajectory that this organization is on and the fact that so many uh, member companies, and I'll tell you about who members are, are interested in helping us grow and meet our mission of really trying to drive money into the hands of women so that they can compete in that global marketplace. And what we're doing is bringing together uh, large buyers, uh, which are tend to be corporations, 
uh, the who's who of the Fortune 500 around the world. <clears throat> and uh, they are a member, we are a member-based organization. So they uh, have a membership with us, but then they also do a lot of extra activities with us to try to help uh, women-owned businesses improve their capabilities for competing for their money, basically, in their supply chain. Well, that's fantastic. And I envy you. You are one of the lucky ones working in a growth industry during the middle of a pandemic. Bravo to you and the organization. And I have to say again, I'm jealous. It sounds like a great place to work. Why did you decide to make the leap from corporate to nonprofit? So making the leap uh, took a little while to just think through. Uh, at the time, whether I was ready to leave behind a very successful and very rewarding corporate career and go into the nonprofit space, but I'm a consummate learner. So I am always interested in doing something new, trying something new. And this is a completely new space for me because some of our funding comes from government grants, multilateral relationships, development banks. It's a whole new space that I did not work in when I was in ExxonMobil or even some of my previous jobs before that. And then focusing in on women's economic empowerment, especially in the broader sense beyond workforce, was very appealing to me. In addition to, although I love strategy and uh, feel that I have capabilities there, I love being a little more hands-on and making things happen. And this has really allowed me to do more hands-on work and apply my marketing expertise, which I love, uh, but at you know today's current world, it's filled with digital marketing and things that I didn't have a chance to do uh, specifically hands-on in my ExxonMobil later years, let's say. So it's been fun to make the leap. Love every minute of it. Going from for-profit to nonprofit has its own interesting things to examine and understand, you know, how does that work and, and what's different and what's the same. That's really inspiring, Rebecca, especially knowing that you took up this new role at the beginning of the pandemic. So a lot of change was happening. We've all had to challenge ourselves and learn new things. And you've had to do so on a pretty big scale. Tell us, what are you seeing with respect to the effects of COVID-19? So it's very noticeable in my current role because we work with all industries. Uh, and of course, as you know, and you hear from the news, the hospitality industries are definitely severely affected. But it's interesting to also see uh, which industries are um, are seeing the benefit of, of what's going on. Uh, so certainly in the packaged goods, uh, anywhere when you think about consumer goods being produced or uh, groceries or, you know, any of these things that I think are intuitive when you think about it, I see the same thing. But also technology firms, uh, parts of firms will be very successful in one part of their organization and another part of their organization isn't doing well. So even with these highly uh, diversified large companies, you're seeing different parts of them doing better than others. So uh, from that perspective, it's a wide swath of it. And then I think the other implication that we see is the level of focus and effort today on diversity uh, and inclusion for any number of reasons around the world has propelled forward uh, even more activity in this space and people and companies are more interested, even more and more interested in having an impact. Not that they weren't doing something already, but in having an impact. And so they're reaching out to organizations they already work with and then uh, new organizations to help them figure out how do we, how do we do more? How do we have a greater impact? That's a really positive aspect to come out of these unfortunate times, isn't it? You know, I notice People now take the time to ask, how's everybody doing, checking in, how are your parents, your grandparents, the kids dealing with school? Much different than the rushed, rush, hey, let's just get this meeting started. I got another one in 20 minutes of, the, of just recent past. And I really hope this trend continues because, you know, relationships matter. You know that. 
Your business is very relationship-driven. How has that aspect of your own work changed now that we're all working virtually? Finding additional ways to build and maintain relationships, which are so critical to do in person, but you can't do it. Uh, How do you not be overwhelmed with emails? Uh, Because that's the way people communicate today and you don't have other alternatives. So uh, just a lot of things that are affecting us. But again, a lot of opportunities as we uh, see what's going on with our population, not only our member population, which is our funding base, and some of those industries aren't doing as well, but what's happening with our women-owned businesses is they tend to be small, medium enterprises, although very some very significant ones. These are not small, small organizations, but very significant ones as well, and what how they've been impacted. And, and we've been doing a survey of our women-owned businesses in our network. We have more than 10,000 and getting feedback from them as to how they're being impacted, what they're doing, and you know what innovation coming out of I would say small, medium enterprises. I want to say out of our women in particular, because I'm a women's economic (laughs) empowerment believer. uh, And I think women just have a lot more to offer that we don't get to uh, showcase. And so I'm thrilled to be able to showcase how many women were able to adjust and uh, survive through this. Although, you know, they've definitely been impacted like other small, medium enterprises have been. Do you see these new ways of doing business continuing? It's hard for me to imagine that it doesn't. I think it's been a catalyst for uh, many companies or organizations or people that knew that was the way to go, but just it's sometimes hard to change. And you're when you're forced to change, you can look back and say, wow, uh, this, you know, what was I missing all this time when I could have been <laughs> doing things virtually or I could have leveraged uh, the talent that I had now because I have more accessible to me or look how much more we can cram in a day because we don't have to travel. You know, there's some good things and some bad things that come with that. But yes, they're going to persist. And, and what's exciting to me is looking at how all people, no matter small, medium, big, no matter what uh, background uh, or mindset that they have, are creating and innovating in this space. Because looking at these new technologies, particularly for things like networking, And having that relationship surrogate when you can't be in person is such a rich space of opportunity. Pretty exciting stuff, huh? Besides technology, though, what else will be part of the global workforce of the future? You know, what skills are needed? What are you seeing? So for me, I think adaptability comes to mind. Adaptability, flexibility, the willingness to learn, to go with the flow, to try things. I think the concept of agility and test and learn is so embedded uh, in some of these trends that I mentioned, the things that have sort of come from the IT world that are common words in my marketing space, but are also common words now from CEOs uh, because all of those changes happen so much more quickly that we all have to be able to respond and be willing to learn and be adaptable. And I I know this from a talent perspective because I'm so involved with identifying talent, even from a statistical basis. There's a lot of work I've done in the last five years around assessing talent through uh, through quantitative measures to know what people are naturally good at. Uh, and some people are more adaptable naturally than others. And I think the, the trick is to understand if those things don't come to you naturally, then how do you put help around yourself or resources around yourself so that you can get comfortable uh, trying new things, taking risks. There's all levels of people that want to take risk. Uh, and then also 
being comfortable that if those are not your things, then don't set yourself up for failure in positions or work activities or life for that matter, where those things are critical. And knowing yourself uh, and knowing what you're good at to me is sort of fundamental. And would be one of the things that I would recommend to people to understand uh, going forward is how well do you know yourself? I spent an incredible amount of time over my life doing all these various inventories and we're way beyond Myers-Briggs at this point. There are so many things to help you, so many tools to help you understand what you're good at, how to apply those skills and knowledge to types of roles or types of activities, how to apply them in your life, how you're different in your work life versus your home life and how you're the same. Uh, I think these are all part of globalization because we've just got more and more access to different types of people, different ways of thinking, and we need to appreciate all of that natural talent for sort of a more harmonious uh, way of working together uh, around the world. Mm-hmm. That is a thoughtful perspective, Rebecca. And it's both exciting and a bit daunting, isn't it? Knowing that there are so many people who are part of the global job pool around the world. You know, when it comes to marketing, you are a global expert, having worked all over the world for years. What are some of the marketing trends you see? The trends are that everything is on a global scale. You know, I, I think about this uh, sometimes and say, are they really trends or they're just the way we do business? today. But I would say the trends I see today are the same ones I saw 10, 15, 20 years ago. I think we're getting faster at responding. And all of this, of course, is underpinned by technology. There's no way to be asked today about trends and not mention how technology plays a role in all of that. Uh, So what I see is uh, just the increasing expectation of integration of technology to all things Marketing, that includes, to me, also taking some of the best practices that come out of the IT world on design thinking. Uh, For me, if you start in in marketing or sales, you learn that the customer's at the heart of that. Customer, consumer, they're at the heart of that. Everything needs to be pointed towards them. So if you never lose that mindset, you will also never be behind on the trends because what's happening in the trends is just more of that. There's personalization, which we talked about decades ago, but the level of personalization you can have today because of data is phenomenal versus how we had to do it 20 years ago. So I would say personalization, design thinking, all things technology, including what's going on behind the scenes with blockchain, artificial intelligence, you know, a lot of that you don't see, but it's all making things either more efficient or more effective. And then uh, it's hard not to talk about analytics. So while this is nothing new, I'm sure everybody you ask this question to is going to say the same thing. Uh, Technology and analytics are behind all of this. Those are the continuing trends that you want to stay on top of. Now, the implication to that uh, of how you take advantage of that, to me, those are the things that change more often. So just looking at the evolution of which social media platforms are popular, the fact that social media platforms are not the same in every country. Uh, just working on something right now where uh, uh, Facebook just isn't really the thing to do. And it's Instagram in Brazil, for example. But in my other country, it's Facebook. In my other country, to reach my audience, Facebook doesn't work at all. I've got to do it on LinkedIn. It's the same type of audience wherever Mm -hmm. I go. Wow. You have described a complex, fast-paced world that students need to be ready for. What advice do you have for them as they get started on their careers? It's funny. I think of entrepreneurship a lot. Uh, It's partly generational because it is so much easier to start your own business 
and uh, move your own ideas forward, as well as the idea of working for large organizations, which in my generation was sort of nirvana, not always because it didn't fit for everyone, but there was just corporations, long-term careers, this concept of joining one company and being there a long time. All these paradigms are all blown up and what all the tools that have been made available to us because of globalization, because of technology means that people can start their own business uh, tomorrow and start up on the internet, you know, set up a web page and put up a store if they have something to sell and get all kinds of advice. Webinars are free everywhere on how to run your business and how to be a business owner. There's so much available that I think uh, the thing I would say I see the most of is entrepreneurship in general. And even if it's not an individual company or an individual effort, the entrepreneurship that is required inside uh, organizations, whether they're they're medium or larger enterprises, the amount of entrepreneurship and innovation and creativity that needs to be fostered and allowed inside large organizations in order for them to be competitive is taking advantage of that same concept and same spirit. Yes, that is a great observation. Everyone today benefits from being able to respond to the needs right in front of us, even pivoting creatively, right, in another direction. I know I've had to do the same to some extent for my business. Stepping back a bit, is there a piece of advice you wish you had been given? What point in your career? Uh, I can speak to some of the things personally that I wished I had known, and I think they'll probably be more meaningful to women at this stage, but uh, thinking about the guys that are out there and listening to this, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's um, something you want to ignore either. But uh, having confidence and uh, demonstrating and showing that confidence to others, I wish I had known that that was an issue for me. Uh, And what's funny about that is when I was in Brussels, I mentioned uh, that I got a little help uh, from that and in realizing that the company thought more of me at ExxonMobil than I had thought as far as career trajectory. My boss at the time identified and told me that I didn't exude this level of confidence. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I'm the most confident person in the world. I mean, I got opinions left and right. You ask me what to do. I'm like, go straight. You know, I like to incorporate other opinions, but I will make a decision <laughs> and and we're off, right? So the thought of me not exuding any confidence was a totally foreign thought until he mentioned it to me. And then I saw what it was that he was talking about. Um, and it was because I like to incorporate other people's ideas. And it, even today, I'll, I'll get feedback like this sometimes where I'm just so interested in factoring in other thought processes um, and, and putting that into my own before I give an opinion or direction. People sometimes just want to know what I think, right? Just what do you think? <laughs> and the more years you have under your belt, the more important that is, I think, because you do actually have experience. So I would say understanding your confidence, exuding that confidence, gaining that confidence uh, and uh, whatever you have to do there will help you bring your full talents to bear. It's, it's not about uh, confidence to lead and, and be the next um, entrepreneur running your own company or in the next corner office. If you're not a natural born leader or don't want to be a leader, there's, you know, not everybody needs to be a leader. And I think that's something uh, that everybody needs to understand that, that there's lots of options for you. So mm-hmm. knowing your strengths, knowing your confidence level to display those strengths and then stay true. Boy, just stay true to who you are. That's some really, really good advice, Rebecca. As we begin to wrap up, 
I'd like to ask you to share a favorite global experience. I know you have worked all over the world and have some really fun ones to share, but just pick one, one of your favorites to bring the global experience to life for listeners. <laughs> oh, sure. I, mean, I have stories from every country I've ever been. Uh, so the first time I went to China was in 2005, uh, which feels like yesterday to me, but we're talking 15 years ago. I can't believe it. So 15 years ago and you get off the plane, we're in downtown Shanghai and they had literally, I don't know, probably a few years before just had streets that were opened up and they were sharing the streets with masses of bicycles. And so half the streets were filled with hundreds and thousands of bicycles every morning, people pedaling to work right next to the VW and the Cadillac. And at that time, the cars that were in the country were the high-end cars because that's where they were in their evolution. So I have memories of sitting in whatever Cadillac or uh, whatever car I was in next to the, the thousands of bicycles <laughs> and all the people going to work. And of course, you could tell, uh, you know, unfortunately, kind of a different group of people as well who was riding a bicycle and who was in a car to, you know, going back 10 years later and there's no bicycles, not even 10 years later. It's probably five or six years later and there's just mm -hmm. no bicycles. They're all gone. Yes. The growth in China is is astounding across all of Asia, actually. I have similar memories, tens of thousands of bicycles across the wide boulevards in Beijing, colossal skyscrapers going up in a year, two years, and it's so fast. It is absolutely amazing. Well, Rebecca, this has been a super pleasure to talk with you. You've given us so much terrific advice, good laughs, and a whole lot of interesting things to think about. Before we close, is there anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> Thank you. I feel like I should say go Colonials or something, you know, to GW uh, <laughs> students, but uh, also to know that uh, GW was a great school. I was very fortunate to attend there and, you know, stick with what you love, uh, study, learn, ask questions. And, you know, thanks for listening and thanks for having me, Stacey. It was a, a blast and I really appreciate the opportunity. You are so welcome. But really, Rebecca, all the thanks go to you for taking the time to share your vast experience and insightful observations with us. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You have been listening to the GW Cyber Global Careers Podcast, working globally through the pandemic and the outlook for global careers in a post-COVID-19 world. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, go global. <laughs>